Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Ephesians chapter 4. Romans chapter 12. Genesis chapter 1. Exodus chapter 2. You got all your fingers in there now? We're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, go with me please to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 first of all. We're talking about being shaped for significance. Everybody is somebody. Everybody is important to God for salvation. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The word world is the word mankind. God loves all of humanity. Sometimes we have difficulty understanding God, how He could love some people, but He loves everybody. And He wants to save them by His grace. Not everybody's going to be saved. But then those that are saved, God wants to use them. Now, sometimes in our Christian life, we feel like, well, there's nothing I can do, and, and I'm not uh, any good at, good at anything, and I don't know what I'd be good at for God. God can use anybody that makes himself available. And if God used an old mule in the Old Testament for Balaam's sake, and the mule spoke, I mean, a mule talked. How many believe, <laughs> how many believe that's true? Not all of you? A mule actually talked to Balaam. Well, wow, talk to him. And if God can use a mule, cheer up. He can use you. He can use me. He used the mule again to ride in Jerusalem on that great day when they cried Hosanna to the king. And uh, he used a rooster one time. That rooster just crowed at the right time. And Peter was convicted under the preaching of a rooster. Peter got right with God with a rooster preaching. But God can take anything, anybody, anywhere, especially humanity that gets saved, to use them for His honor and glory. So we talked about being shaped for significance. Let's stand together. Did we stand for the reading of the Word of God? Let's stand together. Chapter 12. Follow with me every word as we talk about spiritual gifts tonight. We introduced it last week or two and try to do it again tonight. I won't review much. I just want to get down to the heart of what I want to talk about, the Lord willing. Chapter 12, 1 Corinthians. Everybody there? Say amen. amen. Now concerning spiritual gifts, plural, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You don't want to be ignorant. Nobody wants to be ignorant. God don't want us to be ignorant. We don't need to be ignorant. Let's not be ignorant. We need to know. And so he says, you know, don't be ignorant. You know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities, various diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations or ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Father, bless the Word of God tonight. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe seat him. In our outline that I gave you out last week about being shaped, the letter S stands for spiritual gifts. Everybody in this room has a spiritual gift. Two reasons for that, that God gave gifts 
to the early church. And we talked about the gift of the Holy Ghost of God. Salvation comes to live in us. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourself is the gift of God. How many of you have the gift of God, the Holy Ghost on the inside? How many ever once in a while feel Him? Amen. Amen. You don't always feel Him. You walk by faith. How do you know He's there? Because the Bible says so. By the way, Dennis, glad you're here now, brother. Dennis going in and out of the hospital several times recently. That's enough. Don't go no more. Stay out of the hospital. Okay. Praise the Lord. But the gift of the Holy Ghost comes to dwell on the inside of us. And no man can even say the Lord without the Holy Ghost. And you can't claim to be saved unless the Holy Ghost dwells in you. And all of us have been baptized by one Spirit into the body of Christ. And that's very important to realize. The Holy Spirit of God is so important in the work of the Christian. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit more in a moment. But verse 4 of chapter 12, the Bible says, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. The empowerment comes for us to use the abilities that God has given to us specially. And those gifts may vary in individual life. Some have more than others. I think everybody, if I'm understanding Scripture correctly, I believe everybody has at least one gift of the Holy Ghost of God that God's going to give to us to be used. It may be something that's already there that God expands it and enhances it. It's like when the fruit of the Spirit is supposed to be the fruit we develop in Galatians chapter 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is. It's not plural. There's nine different fruits on one tree, but the fruit of the Spirit is. And it goes love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, and so forth. And we have those given to us by God. If you took every word through the Spirit, it all say we have Jesus. We're supposed to live like Jesus lived when He was here on this earth. Uh, we're not perfect, but we're supposed to represent Him well. He represents us now in heaven. He's our intercessor. He's our advocate in heaven. While He was here, He could not go into all the world because He was limited by a body. He never went over 200 miles either way, up and down the Galilean shore, the Jordan River, and walked probably most of the time. He may rode a mule from time to time. But basically walked with his disciples no more than 200 mile radius. And he spent time on the Sea of Galilee and around the River Jordan. And he spent his time in a human body. And that human body was given to him by God Almighty to come in this world and identify with us. And so after he got through with his human body, he took the scars that were made by humans in his body. He never will be the same. I mean, God the Creator, God the Redeemer, God the Sustainer of life, He never will be the same. He went back different than when He came. He went back to heaven, sat down at the right hand of majesty to intercede for us. But He has those nail scars in His hands. He, has the, he showed them to Thomas. Other disciples saw them, the nail scar in his, or the sword scar in his, in his side and in His feet. He'll carry those throughout eternity. I appreciate the song Larry sung about it's written in red, written in blood. And those scars he bore for us. And so he went back to heaven, sat down at the right hand of God to intercede for us. He ever liveth to intercede for us. Intercede to go, go before the Father of our, in our behalf. He's our attorney. He's our advocate. He's the one who pleads our case. He loves us. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. How do I know? The Bible tells me so. How do I know the Holy Ghost lives in me? The Bible tells me so. By faith we live the Christian life. We claim the promises of God and the blessings of God by faith. And I can't always feel Him, as I talked about a while ago. Sometimes God seems a million miles away. 
When you're going through some trial, heartache, difficulty, it may, you may search and say, Lord, where you at? How long, how long are you going to forgive me? Uh, Psalms 13. How long will you forgive me? Can you imagine David saying that? Lord, how long, how long will you forgive me? He fought, felt forgotten of God, forsaken of God. But God is always standing somewhere in the shadows. He never will leave you nor forsake. He will go with you all the way, even to the end of this world. So says the Word of God to us as believers. And so there is that empowerment, however, that we need to live the Christian life. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall, not maybe, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. And so we need empowerment. So he takes, the Holy Ghost comes living inside of us to empower us for service. Now, whatever those gifts are, uh, I was reading today in chapter 12, in Ephesians chapter 4 and Romans chapter 12, there may be a list of about 25 that are listed. Some may interweave with each other along the way from book to book, but uh, there's several that are given to us here, and we'll read those perhaps in just a moment. And I think they're divided into three categories, uh, especially gifts of the Spirit that are given uh, for functioning, for operation, for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So a gift is a supernatural ability. It may be an ability you already have, but God makes it supernatural. Or it may be something He gives to you uh, to use in the work of the Lord. Everybody has a gift they can use for God's glory. Whatsoever is in thy hand, find it to do, do it with all your might. As God told Moses, or told others in the Bible, especially Moses, said, what's in your hand? And take up the rod, and he used that rod of authority all the days of his life. Moses was a different man with the authority of God over his life and in his hand. And you hear much about the hand of God in the Bible. So secondly, not only is it for empowerment to help us to be victorious in the Christian walk with God, to be a blessing to others, to fulfill the will of God. What is the gift that I have? What are the gifts that God gives to me? Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit just also. But secondly, it's for edification. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. He says the following, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors, teachers, for the perfecting or the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the what? Edifying of the body of Christ. Now please keep that in mind. He gave empowerment. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. That Spirit of God is the empowerment for us to do what God wants us to do. I mentioned last week, you may feel like you could never preach a sermon or teach a Sunday school class. But it's amazing what God can help you do. Now you can do some things in the flesh. I can do things in the flesh. But that which is going to count for eternity will be that which is done in the Spirit. The Spirit enables, the Spirit equips, the Spirit helps us to make right decisions and to do what's right as we yield ourselves to Him. There is a danger, however, of trying to live off the flesh and to do things off the fle- uh, by the flesh. And I'll mention that in just a moment. But edification, chapter 4, verse 12, for the edifying of the body. The word edifying means built up. So if the, if the church is going to be built up spiritually to be what it is to function as a body, remember He's the head and we're the body, we're being baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Ghost of God. I am a part of the family of God. I'm in the body of Christ. And in my body, as, as frail as it may look like tonight, I have different parts of my body. You got a, you got a crazy bone right there? 
Somebody's got to be the crazy bone in the body of Christ. Somebody's got to be the heel. You say, I don't want to be the heel. Oh, yes, you do. You say, I don't want to be a crazy bone on the elbow. Yes, you do. You say, why? Because you want to be whatever God wants you to be. If God wants you to function in a little capacity, listen, I'm glad for that little finger right there. If I cut it off, I'd realize I missed it. I couldn't hold my teacup. I mean, if it's cut off, <laughs> that's sissy. But the fact is, that little finger is important. That nose is important. The toes are important. The nose and the toes from the top to the bottom, every member of your body is important in the work of the Lord. In the body of Christ, we all have different abilities and there's diversities of gifts. Not everybody's going to be a pastor preacher. Not everybody's going to be a teacher. Not everybody's going to be a prophet. Those words need to be defined so we can understand them. And not everybody's going to speak in certain interpretation of tongues. And everybody's not going to be able to see visions and see things that maybe other folks haven't seen. But God can do a lot of things. He always has, all the way through the Old Testament. There were unusual things he did through people. And they saw unusual things and did unusual things in the Old Testament. And they did in the book of Acts. I was reading through the book of Acts again this week. And I love reading through the book of Acts. It shows the progress of Jesus' church. Jesus went back to heaven, but Jesus is still fulfilling his will in teaching and preaching. He's still doing it. Now he does it through others. But he's still fulfilling what he was come to do and to preach and to teach while he was here. It's being carried on by the disciples. So empowerment to do the work of God. You can't be saved without the power of God. You cannot work without the power of God. And because of those gifts that he gives us, he gives the ability to do what he wants you to do. So as you find out what God may want you to do, and you will along the way, and when we get down to the other part of the outline, understanding how you can know what your gift is. I believe I know what my gift is, one of them. And you may know what your gift is. That doesn't make me braggadocious at all. It humbles me and to know that God called me into the ministry and to be a pastor teacher. A pastor and teacher, really, in the Greek language, is pastor teacher. And I enjoy doing that. And one of the things you find out about the gifts of the Spirit, they're not for your enjoyment, however. They're for your employment to help build the construction, the architectural ability of the body of Christ. But in that employment, there will be enjoyment. You'll find out there are some th- things you enjoy doing more than others. Now, some people would never want to get up and preach a sermon. I didn't. From age 16 to 18, I ran from then. I said last week, it was not on my radar. Now, I told when I was a little kid, I told my Sunday school teacher, I wanted to be a preacher when I grew up because my daddy's a preacher, and I want to be just like my daddy. But when it came time, when God began to move on my heart about preaching, Every preacher that got up to preach, he preached on Jonah. Running from the will of God. I sat there and thinking, how did he know? I mean, he preached on Jonah about running from the will of God. Got to do the will of God. I got, I got tired of hearing it. I was about ready to run away from God because I was scared to death to preach. And I had to settle that matter, and so I did with the Lord. And that's when I yielded to Him, the Holy Spirit, to enable me, to equip me to do what I've got to do. I'm not the best in the world, but I'm glad I'm part of the body of Christ. And everybody is important to God. Sometimes he says, I'm a nobody. You are somebody. You are a child of the living God, and so am I. And God didn't leave me here to take up space. 
And God didn't leave me here to make a living. God left me here to make a life. And that life is to glorify Him. I am, we are the very existence for Christ that the world can see Christ in us, the hope of glory. So I want to be a good ambassador for Him. I don't want to be somebody that somebody looks at and been, be around for a while and says, if that's a Christian, the woods is full of them. Have you ever heard anybody say that? If that's a Christian, the woods are full of them. Well, Christian people sometimes are not all they ought to be. And let's just be honest, some folks are not Christians. I think when you go through the book of 1 John and evaluate the signs to know whether you're saved or not, it helps you realize you may not be a Christian. You may function in the flesh. You may know the language. You may have heard it since childhood days. You may have grew up in church all your life. You may be a member of a church. You may have got baptized and die in your sins and go to hell. That's the reason why it's important to realize who you are. And if I'm saved, I have a desire to please God. Let's say it together. I have a desire to please God. Say it again. Say it again. You say, well, I don't have a desire. Then what's wrong? Something ain't clicking. Something's not right. You have a desire to please God. Now, you may not know what that is. You know, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed or fashioned in this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and perfect will of God. And so God has a will for your life. God has a will for my life. I don't know altogether what it may be, uh, but I'm glad that I tapped into what he wanted me to do as an 18-year-old boy many years ago. I've never had any reservations about being a preacher. I didn't say reservations. I mean, I, I believe God called me to preach. I've been scared. I've been nervous. I've been afraid. I wondered how I was going to do it. I've questioned my inability. And sometimes what he wants you to do is realize you can't, he can. He can't, you can't, he can. And the sooner you get a hold of that, you say, well, if you've got an ability, don't that make you pride? It ought to make you just the opposite. It ought to humble yourself down and say, God's going to use me. God's able to use me. I'm available to God, and God wants to use me. Do I want to be used of God? God wants to use me. Do I want to be used of God? It could revolutionize and transform our lives as Christians. It could transform the church. It could transform our lives. Just realizing that I am going to do with the will of God as God leads me and directs me in my life to the very best of my ability. So Ephesians 4 uh, he talks about the perfecting of the maturing of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up, the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So edification, you have empowerment and you have edification. What's the purpose for gifts? Why did God choose for the Holy Spirit to give us certain abilities to do, certain gifts to do, be they in the limelight or be they not in the limelight. There's three kinds of gifts, I think, and there may be debate about this, so I'm not going to be dogmatic. I believe there are speaking gifts. I believe there are serving gifts. And I believe there are signifying or sign gifts. I believe all three are found in the writings of the Word of God. And you say, well, what, what's mine? I don't know what yours is. I could probably be around you a while and got some, some, some thought of what your gift may be. And, uh, but a person treats the gifts of the Spirit this way. If you are saved and you begin to be used of God, you've got to be careful that you don't magnify the gift. Boy, look at me. I'm a great preacher. 
And don't you forget it. You almost find yourself thinking you can do something pretty good and you realize it's all of God. Remember, when I am weak, I am strong. When you get strong in the Lord, the Lord has to bring you down. And that happens so many times in our Christian life. And so if you're not careful, you'll magnify the gift. It's like I was mentioning about the gift of tongues that folks talk about so often. And I really believe that the gift of tongues is nothing more, nothing less than the supernatural ability to speak another language. I'm not talking about some jabbering. I'm talking about real gifts of the Spirit. He can speak. You know he knows every language in the world. Did you, you know, Carlos, God can speak Spanish? Do you know that? It's amazing. Did you know God can speak English? Now, he's trying to help me learn how to speak English pretty good. I have trouble with it. But he knows every language. So when people are praying another language, God understands that because he has the ability to understand that. Now, somebody else could be on earth talking to somebody in English and they can't understand a word they're saying. Supernaturally, God can enable them to understand what they're saying. That's an ability. They all heard in their own language in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. That's amazing to me. All these people got up, heard the message of Peter, and they all understood their own language. What were they, 16, 17 different places represented there in that scripture? Uh, we're not going to talk about the gift of spirit tonight or the gift of tongues. But I do believe in the gift of tongues. And if I just take the, the, the word language and for tongues, that's what we talk about. My mother tongue is American, English. That's my mother tongue. That's what I came in the world speaking. Uh, when I was first born, I was so shocked. I didn't say a word for a long time. But once I discovered America, I saw, then I began to talk and jabber. And then I, I talked in the unknown tongue until I was probably two. That kind of language and spitting on somebody and sticking your tongue out. And all that kind of, that's language. A baby's talking. But there comes a time when they start articulating and putting. And the first word they usually say, what is the first word that a child usually says? Says, What, daddy? How many believe it's Daddy. Okay, how many believe it's mommy? How many don't believe either one of those? I remember talking to mothers so often over the years, and they'll say something like this, even though it was not the first word the child said. He said Jesus last night for the first time, Jesus. That was a thrill to them to hear their baby say the name Jesus. I personally believe that a child would say daddy first because of just that's the way it is. God made man first. So the first language you're going to hear is a man's voice. Lord, if that's not true doctrine, just help me. Maybe forgive it. I don't know. <laughs> but you can also magnify your gift like you have ability. You don't have nothing. Now, for lack of a better way of putting it, you don't have squat. What I have it comes from God. My salvation is of the Lord, not of man. My sanctification is of the Lord. He helps me to be sanctified become more like being not conformed to this world. If you want to be conformed to this world and be like the world, you've got a problem. See, the less you, less you want to live like this world, the better off you are. This world's not my home. I'm just a passing through. My carriage laid up somewhere around the blue. I mean, that pretty moon up there is no stopping place for me. You're just passing through the world, but the world's a powerful magnet to draw your life. You've got to be very careful. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, is not of the world, but it's not of the Father, but of the world. 
And so when we start doing things that are wrong, that's not God doing it. It's us doing it. Old flesh is mean, you know what? Flesh is, flesh is tough. So you find yourself magnifying your gift like I'm proud of what I can do. Humble, humility, brokenness. Don't ever go to the head when somebody brags on you. We've got some good teachers in this room. Um, I've listened to every one of my guests teach somewhere along the way, and especially adult level and some of the kids. And I've been used to, I used to visit when I was a younger preacher when I first came. I visited every Sunday school class. I was in every Sunday school class. You say, well, I don't like you being in there. Well, it doesn't matter. I was going to be in there anyhow. Just for a little while to see how you taught and see what you said. Some of the best teachers, some of the best teachers in the academy, just good te- they're just good teachers. And thank God for them. But when they get to thinking they're good, that's what the danger comes. So when somebody brags on you, thank them and forget it. Somebody says, boy, you preached a great sermon today. Thank you. God bless you. Okay, forget it. You go home and say, boy, I told him today, didn't I? I really let them have it. Watch that kind of language. When you're teaching a class, sometimes you can sense the presence of God in teaching and preaching, and you know God's using you. That's great. But be careful that you, you don't take the glory away from Him. All the glory goes to God. I cannot do anything without His power. The empowerment, and it's all for the edification of the church that in, when we're using in the church is to see the church grow spiritually and mature to the right level and to become more like Jesus Christ. It's amazing what maturity do. You ever do a study on what babies do? And the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians how they like babies. I mean, do a lot of things that babies would do. But the process is you're first a baby and you drink milk and the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. The way you grow is being around Christian people who have spiritual gifts. You may not have the one they have, but it's going to help you build up the body of Christ. It'll make our church stronger. It'll stay in the course of time. It'll be more enabling to serve God until He comes back if we all follow what God's teaching is about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some deny that gifts are intended for the church. There's some that magnify the gifts. Others deny them. There's some people say that some gifts are not for this generation. And I understand what they're saying, like you know, some gifts that were given to the early apostles to raise the dead. That was a gift. When somebody can raise the dead, I think that's pretty supernatural. Don't you agree? And so they could say, look at us. And he said, don't you rejoice that the demons are subject to you. Why should you rejoice, disciples? Because your name is in the book of life. Don't rejoice because there's some power that you have supernaturally. Or at least you see God doing it and you can't do it. You might manufacture it like they did in the book of Acts. Uh, the one man that tried to uh, get the power of God and tried to buy it. He paid a profession a believer. Then he wanted to buy that power that the, the, the disciples had. But some people deny the gifts. Some magnify them. Some are shy and they shy away from their gift. You're looking at an illustration of two years of being shy, uh, afraid to get up before people. Let me ask the question. How many of you are shy? Would you raise your hand? Okay. How many of you have no problem getting up and giving a speech? A few of you can do it. Okay, that's great. Nothing wrong with that. But where'd you get that power from? Well, I've just always been tough. No, you've just been crazy. Let not a man be ignorant, brethren. Don't be ignorant. It's not you. If you were born and you grew up with a personality where you just about do anything, you better give God the glory for that. Be sure He gets all the glory. Paul said it well. I am what I am 
about the watch, watch, rest that verse eight. By the grace of God, I am what I am. What am I? And old Paul, he said, you know how he classified himself as, as Paul? He used to be Saul, then became Paul. Somebody said Saul means big shot. Paul means little shot. Now, whether that's true or not, I'm not sure to verify it, but I've heard that before. Saul means big shot. I'm somebody. I got power. I got judicial power. I've got, he may have been a member of the St. Hedron Court. I don't know. But he became a little shot, just kept on shooting. It's one thing to be a big shot and lose your shot, but it's another thing to be a little shot and just keep on shooting. The Apostle Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. When he recognized who he was, and you read it in the Timothy, I am the chief of sinners. I know in whom I have believed. I am persuaded. He is able to keep that which I have committed unto him or deposited in his account. I know who I believed in, but I am the chief of sinners. I don't deserve anything except hell. I'm going to heaven because of the grace of God. And if Paul rejoiced in that truth, so can you. And one of the reasons why I believe Paul had to spend three years on the backside of the Arabian desert and personal teaching from God himself prepare him for the ministry to be the great missionary to the Gentile world, especially to the Asia and Asia Minor. And here we find the Apostle Paul using his abilities. Some were innate, some he had most of his life. He probably was an intelligent man. But now he's got seasoned by the Holy Ghost of God. God moved on his intelligence. Greatest theological book in the whole Bible. I think Darren's speaking, teaching out of Romans right, Darren? I've talked to Darren recently. He's got all of Romans memorized from Romans 1 through Romans 16. That's good. But that's a great theological book. It really is. Brandon, you're starting with Hosea. May God bless you, my brother. What a wonderful book. And yet what a, what a book that's hard to understand sometimes if you don't get the key to it. And this is Miss Debbie, you teaching on Psalms again. Uh, was using some of Clarence Sexton's material throughout the Sunday school class. And uh, Willie's got an RU agenda that he teaches in Sunday school. But boy, plug into a Sunday school class. Just plug into one. I always loved Sunday school. I've loved it ever since I was a kid. I love it. See, just there's a purpose for all the teaching. And these folks have uh, enablement. They're all different. They, they, they use their spiritual gift that God has given them. And uh, sometimes we shy away from it. Or we just get plumb bored. Oh, I've got to teach another class. I've got to teach another class. Brother Darren gave me a book to read. I read through it starting through the second time. It's his book. I thought I'd mark it up a little bit for him. Uh, it's the first chapter. The guy, we say sometimes, oh boy, I get to go to church. I don't have to go to church. He said, Oh boy, I get to talk to God today. Wow. I get to talk to the creator of the world today. I get to talk to him. I get to go into an audience from the king. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I have the ability and the power to talk to the God who made Adam in the Garden of Eden and who dipped his hand down in nothing and flung the worlds into existence, put the sun by day and the moon by night and put twinkle, twinkle little star in the heavens, billions of them, and knows every one of them by name. And he says, come. Come boldly before the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy in the hour of need. I get to talk to God today. Now, I can talk to him all day long, but I'm talking about a special time. I get to enter into a secret place, and the secret place becomes the sacred place of the Most High. You want to find a sacred place? Get a secret place. But he says, I want you to enter into your closet. And those who go into the closet are going to be blessed of God. That's where the power comes from. That's where the anointing comes from. That's where the unction comes from. 
is spending some time alone with God, driving out all the distraction that you can. So a sacred place, it comes to be a secret place, he said, or into thy closet and pray. Well, so pray and fasting goes hand in hand. But I'm talking about the fact that sometimes folks shy away from it, not because they're wanting to, they're just, they're just, they're just afraid. And faith does overcome fear. Faith, and we're not supposed to have the spirit of fear so often we do. And then with some people make statements like this, well, I would, uh, I'm not really interested in rewards in heaven. Uh, I've heard Christian people say that. The Bible talks about you shall receive reward for this, and there are several crowns given to us in the Bible, maybe seven, five or seven different crowns that are being given out by Jesus, and he's going to give out crowns at the judgment day, judgment seat of Christ. Well, somebody says, I'm not, working for, I'm not working for crowns. I just want to get there. Well, you missed the whole boat of what spirituality is. Why do you want crowns? So I can lay them at his feet. Amen. Will there be any crowns, in, any, any stars in your crown? Will there be any mine? It's not a matter of bragging if you do have them. It's a matter of saying, Lord, I don't deserve them. Whatever I have, it all belongs to you. And the coronation day, bring forth a royal diadem. Let's crown him, King of kings and Lord of lords, on that great crowning day that takes place. I don't know what all that may entail, but I think it's sure going to be great to take what he's given me as a reward and tenderly take it from my hand and place at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. All majesty, all hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Amen. And then lastly, and I'll through, I didn't get to where I was going to go tonight. I'll get there someday down the road. The last one is to comply with the Spirit's purpose, operation, his origin, his, his purpose for your life. Once you find out what God wants you to do in life, use your talents if they're godly. Talents may not necessarily be gifts of the Spirit, but they can be equipped to be better than they were before. By just the, you ever seen somebody sing in the Spirit and sing out the Spirit? I was, every once in a while I look around in the choir. When you sing in the choir, notify your face. Right? Everybody agree? If you're singing congregational songs, how great they are, don't you think all of us need to notify our face? Right. How great thou art when I bow in humble adoration. Da, 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 how great, how great thou art. <laughs> Go to sleep singing. See, if you sing up here and use your ability that God has given you and ask Him to pray and help you, it'll be notified on your body. Your body takes the transformation. Did you see Johnny Pike preach Sunday night? Now he's old. He's one year younger than I am. He's an old man. But when he got into that one frame, when he starts that, I call it his holy dance. When he starts his holy dance, I mean, he's in another world. Another world. And sometimes when you get to preaching in a big way and you got to start thinking about how great God is and how good God is, it has a way of bubbling over. Some people do that when they testify. Some people do that when they sing. They're blessed by others. Oh boy, I get to go in the presence of God. Oh boy, I get to go to church. Oh boy, I get to read the Bible tomorrow. Now, unless you forget and I'm through, you can read the Bible before you go to bed tonight. Now, you can if you want to. You don't have to. Assignment number one is read the Bible regularly. Read it regularly. 
Read it regularly. Then when asked a question, don't raise your hand. This is Wednesday. How many's read the Bible every day? Don't raise your hand. How many's read the Bible every day this week? And you say, well, preacher, I, I, don't, uh, I don't have time. I don't have time. You, you, what do you mean you don't have time? Well, i got other things to do. What other things you got to do? I mean, you can't spend a few minutes just reading the Bible. Just a few minutes stealing away the gods. The only book God ever wrote. I get to read the Bible. I get to read the Bible. Don't understand it all. Can't grasp it all. But well, there's enough there to keep me straight. Just know what I do understand. I don't have to be ignorant about some things, and you don't either. Anyhow, oh boy, I get to serve God. Oh boy, I get to serve God. Oh boy, I get to serve God. It's not boring. It's not a drudgery. If it is, the power of the Holy Spirit's not there. They're energized, and the power of God should come upon you. But but the power, but the power, dwell with His presence of God. And let God do a work in your life. Well, I'm through preaching. Let's stand together, please, for just a moment. Thank you for being here tonight. Pray for the class across the street as they spend the rest of the summer going over things and Brother Willie and some of the helpers. So pray for the young people over there that God will bless their lives. Let's pray for each other. Pray for a great day Sunday. I pray the devil be rebuked, the Lord be glorified. How many are you glad to be a Christian? How many would be an old-fashioned Christian anything you know of? How many believes in the old-time religion? Amen. How many believes in the virgin birth of Christ? Amen. The vicarious death of Christ. He died in our place. Amen. How many believes in the body of resurrection from the dead? Amen. How many believes the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. And before that, He ascended back to heaven. He pushed a button and said, Glory, please. Amen. I read that again this week. It's nail-scarred. Wow. Nail-scarred hands out like this. Just to find the law of gravitation. He can do it. There he goes up in the air. This same Jesus that you see go away is going to come again in like manner. What a message. What a message. The ascension doctrine is probably one of the great doctrines overlooked in the Bible. It is the ending and the beginning of a great transition in our lives. He went away so the Holy Ghost could come. Well, I'll not preach it again. I'm preach it one time. That's why I believe I have the gift to preach. It's, it's in me. And I'm not a good preacher, but it's in me. And I love doing it. I'm about to lose something here. Note. Okay. I already read that note. There you go. This power is for prayer. Have a verse of invitation if you need to come and pray about anything in your life. Just, oh, God, use me. God, take me. Make me a blessing. Or maybe something on your heart's heavy. You come during this prayer.